big Bitcoin price predictions, big Ethereum price predictions, big on-chain data for Bitcoin, big Ethereum news with new layer twos launching on the network. We also have big news from the macro scene talking about inflation, big news for Coinbase, just going to be a big stream overall. So welcome, welcome, welcome to today's broadcast. We have lots of good stuff in store for you. So strap in, it's going to be a good time. And by the way, these streams I'm going to be trying to do at around 1.30 p.m. New Zealand time. It's around this time for those of you tuning in live Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, again, New Zealand time. So if you are in the East Coast, USA, for example, that'll be around uh, 8.30 or 9 o'clock on Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday. So welcome, 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 everyone. Now let's go ahead and get into today's conversation. The Bitcoin supply shock will send Bitcoin price up to $120,000 according to Standard Chartered Bank. Bitcoin miners will hoard BTC and drive up prices in the process with BTC price due to tap $50,000 this year as a result. I love it. I love it. Massive mega banks out here shilling Bitcoin for us. About time, guys. Get on with the party here. Of course, we've had some big banks that have been interested in Bitcoin for a while. And, you know, banks getting into Bitcoin, it's a bit awkward. A little bit awkward, right? These guys are not why we have Bitcoin, right? We have Bitcoin because we don't trust the banks. But the banks are getting involved anyway because they, like everyone else, have an equal opportunity to come and buy Bitcoin and to make fun price predictions on Bitcoin. $120,000 Bitcoin. That's not so crazy of a prediction, to be honest. So they're saying $50,000 this year. Maybe. I've been targeting 48 k That's my personal prediction for 2023. We'll see how that plays out. 120 k next year. It's an interesting price target. I think it's rooted in reality. We shall see. Now, a lot of people have been calling for 150K, 180K. It's a tough one, you know, because you get wedded to an idea. And this happened to me in the previous bull run. We have to do this, right? So we had to get to 100K. I was convinced we're going to go to 100K. Didn't happen, obviously. Yeah. Anyway, will that same thing happen in the next bull cycle where maybe these more conservative estimates should be paid attention to versus the more optimistic estimates that are saying, hey, we're going up to 150K, we're going to 180K, we're going to 250K, 300K. I've seen some big numbers being thrown around for the next cycle in 2024, 2025. So we'll see what comes up with this. Let me know in the comments where you think the price is going to top out at in the next cycle. Be very curious to hear your opinion on that. Also very interesting, also from Standard Charter Bank, Bitcoin Magazine points out, December 2022, not that long ago, $800 billion bank, Standard Chartered, predicts Bitcoin will crash to $5,000. Well, we got down to $16,000, so that's pretty low, but it ain't no 5K, is it? No, 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 no. Then just a few months later, July, fast forward seven months, and Standard Charter Bank flipping flipping around and saying, hey, guys, let's do 120K now. We changed our minds. Now, fair enough. Look, December 2022, we were all feeling pretty damn bearish. We were all feeling, uh, you know, pretty rough, I think, about the markets at that time. FTX just collapsed. Sentiment was absolutely just in the gutter. It was rough. But the narrative is changing, as they point out here at Bitcoin Magazine. We also see some others throwing their hat in the ring. Matrix Sports 
year end 2024 prediction for Bitcoin. Bitcoin can reach $125,000, a strong performance that fuels bullish sentiment. Sure, 125K, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, what's, what's, the, what's the difference of a few thousand dollars between friends here, right? We shall see again where it all ends up. We're seeing a lot of big price predictions starting to come out as the market flips more bullish as we start entering this period of cautious optimism in the market where people are saying, hey, yeah, I know it's been pretty rough for a while, but maybe things are not going to be that bad. Maybe things are going to go okay. Maybe we'll, we're all going to make it, right? We will end up being all right in this cycle. So we'll see where we end up. Definitely interesting to see all these big predictions coming out. Of course, now that we have BlackRock and all these other players trying to get their Bitcoin ETFs again, that is the fuel that sends Bitcoin up to six figures, right? So that's, that's where the money is going to come from to get us pumping up like that. This chart here from Stock Money Lizards, time to a new all-time high is running. Looking back at the previous all-time high for Bitcoin and how long it takes until that new all-time high comes in, right? So in this uh, situation, we've had previously 616 days for the first cycle, 191 days for the second cycle. So that was 2014 uh, forward to get a new all-time high, right, from the previous all-time high. Uh, and if we take from the 2017 all-time high up to we got our new high prices, right, we broke the previous all-time high in uh, 2020. That was 1,065 days. Now, if we were to say, well, it's going to be 1,065 days to the next one, that brings us into late, uh, late 2020. Uh, for maybe early 2025 somewhere. So we'll see how that goes. And, that, and that's not to say the new cycle high, right? That's just to say we're breaking the previous all-time high post-Bitcoin having in this situation. And then we'll probably find our new all-time high shortly thereafter. As you can see, this tends to be the case with Bitcoin, where in the first cycle, look, we hit our, we passed over the previous all-time high. And then within a few months, we hit the new peak price. Same in 2017. We passed over the previous all-time high. Then we hit a new peak price within a few months after that. Uh, same in 2020. We hit our uh, new all-time high. Right, We passed over the previous peak and we hit a new peak price within a few months. Although then we did have that big correction in 2021 and eventually we got up to like 69k in late 2021. So it was about a year later after we initially broke that. But that was a bit of an anomaly, I think, really just based on the fuel of the hype around El Salvador making Bitcoin into legal tender. So we'll see how it plays out next time. An interesting food for thought. Another chart here from the guys over at Glassnode. Bitcoin holders remain in a regime of accumulation, continuing to absorb coins at a rate of 27,000 per month. Interesting. Interesting. So many different charts, and they basically all say around the same thing, is that a massive accumulation is happening right now from small accounts to big accounts and right on through, right? We are seeing holders and accumulators accumulating, which is, of course, very bullish, I think, for the long-term picture because this is some intense accumulation happening during a bear market scenario, right? We're Or you can say we've started the new bull market, which I think we're in that situation. But the new bull market, this is the time when people are still not really feeling like things have changed. We're still a lot of a lot of pessimism. People are still down massively on their portfolios, those who have held and capitulated at some point. So that mega bullish sentiment really hasn't come back into the market yet. 
However, people are still showing up and buying Bitcoin despite all the crazy, right? That's going on. People are still showing up and buying BTC. And I love that. Next one here, this is supply and profit and supply and loss. So as they point out here, Bitcoin prices have reached the 30K midpoint of the 21-22 cycle with several metrics approaching levels associated with a reaccumulation period seen in past cycles. Inscriptions are cooling off. That's the uh, sort of Bitcoin NFT uh, thing that we had going on. And monetary tractions are picking up steam once again. So we're seeing the kind of indicators that are saying, well, we're not actually in a reaccumulation period. Again, a lot of indicators showing that that is the period of the market that we're in. We've exited the worst of the bearish trends, and we are in a reaccumulation period. Now, I'd like to point out that so much of this can be undone by a massive U.S. recession, a brutal U.S. recession, right? And we're going to talk, um, you know, more about the idea of a recession. However, if we get a really bad economic situation playing out at the end of the year for the USA, that could really derail equity markets, which would derail crypto markets, most likely, most likely. Well, remains to be seen exactly how it all plays out, of course. And we may get that soft landing still for the U.S. economy. So we'll see how that plays out. Next one here for you, Bitcoin bear market rally performance. So Bitcoin prices have reached the 30K midpoint of the 21-22 cycle. Several metrics, again, approaching uh, that level of a reaccumulation period. So we can see here once again, once again, that we are in that bear market uh, recovery situation. It's a very, very similar pattern that we're seeing right now to what we saw in 2015 to what we saw in 2019 to what we saw in 2020 so it's very interesting to see these on-chain indicators looking very similar to how we've seen them look before previous new cycles take off fascinating right before we get into a few more charts here if you are a trader you do get yourself an account over on Bybit. it is the best place for trading futures also great spot altcoin markets super popular copy trading service as well so if you are a trader use the link down below in the description to check that out and you'll also be eligible for up to thirty thousand dollars in deposit and trading bonuses so go and get amongst it if you are a trader now the next chart from glass node i want to talk about with you here is that there's around 592,000 Bitcoin with a purchasing price of $30,200, which is kind of around the current spot prices. Now that suggests small price fluctuations in either direction will send 3.45% of the circulating supply into a position of profit or loss, respectively. Now what's interesting is we've seen these massive, massive accumulations of Bitcoin right around the 30K mark. Uh, the next big, big accumulation zone down was at the 26.8K mark, which is why 25, 26K was such an important level. And of course, down at 16.5K, which basically was the bottom, right? Right around the bottom. That was uh, 637,000 Bitcoin accumulated in that zone. So we have these massive, massive price points around these massive areas of price support. And so these are really important to point out because those areas for bitcoin then represent very strong lines where the people who bought there some of them might want to just get out and get their money back and say hey i bought thirty thousand dollars a year ago and it went down and it's back up i'm gonna sell your money out and get out of this thing right but on-chain data doesn't necessarily suggest that that's going to be the case what is more likely is that 
the people who bought at 30k are likely to be holding around 30k and hoping for higher prices, especially now that we have the Bitcoin ETFs and all this kind of stuff in the works. Selling your Bitcoin that you've been holding on to for a year, maybe that you bought at 30k last year, you're still holding on to, looking at everything that's forming up right now, not necessarily the most logical decision, we would say. Also interesting to see how much Bitcoin has been exiting exchanges. So um, this chart right here, this is from Coinbase. This is the balance on Coinbase in particular. We can see that in March 2020, Coinbase had about a million BTC. That has now dropped to about 440,000 Bitcoin. And you got to remember, Coinbase is the uh, organization that all these big financial institutions like BlackRock and uh, Fidelity and Invesco are going to be working with for their Bitcoin ETF products. So we've seen massive amounts of Bitcoin being bought and taken off exchanges. And you have to remember, Coinbase is basically the go-to Bitcoin provider for major U.S. financial institutions. Yeah, I know these new players are showing up, but all these other big financial institutions, they've got, I think Coinbase came out and said that at one point they have almost half of the top 100 financial institutions that have accounts with them. Those people have been buying Bitcoin. Those organizations have been buying Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting, right? We also see on-chain data showing us here that we have 1,007,329 addresses. That was yesterday. It's probably a few more today that hold one Bitcoin or more. This has been incredible accumulation. We've seen this number rise by almost 200,000 addresses in the last year. During the bear market, a lot of people looked at Bitcoin and said, now's the time to buy. Now's the time to buy. And they have been buying. They've been putting their money where their mouth is. And in spite of all the fear and all the crazy and the collapses and the lawsuits and the crackdowns and all that stuff, people showed up and bought Bitcoin. I love to see it. You love to see it, too. It's absolutely awesome. One thing to keep an eye out moving into the end of the year that could cause some turbulence in the markets, especially for Bitcoin, very specifically, this may not affect altcoin markets as much. However, what Bitcoin does, does tend to affect the rest of the markets. Now, this is about Mt. Gox and their Bitcoin. So we are going to see Bitcoin coming out to Mt. Gox um, debtors in the not so distant future. So Mt. Gox's latest update, the base repayment, intermediate repayment, early lump sum repayment are currently scheduled to be made by October 31st. 2023 deadlines may be expended with the permission of the Tokyo District Court. So we knew a lot of this already, but just a reminder that there's these big sales that still can come into play, that there's these big um, liquidity events, if you will, that can still affect the Bitcoin market very, very specifically. And so it depends on how we see things play out. If we have sort of boarding, boring markets, uh, low exchange volume, and we start seeing all the Mt. Gox Bitcoin getting dumped. Just the event alone could cause a bit of fear, to be honest. Uh, and the amount of Bitcoin, honestly, these days, it is a lot of Bitcoin. But at the same time, the market's big enough and mature enough that it can't absorb that hit. But the fear alone might freak people out a little bit that the Mt. Gox Bitcoin is coming. Let's all panic. That's probably going to be worse than the bite, right? The, the bark of Mt. Gox could be worse than the bite 
of Mount Gox. So we'll see how that plays out. But that's something to keep an eye on for later in the year. But it'll be interesting to see if we, for example, see the um, Bitcoin ETFs getting approved around the same time. Does that balance it out? Or is it just such a bullish event that all this Bitcoin being released from Mount Gox doesn't even matter anymore? And I liked this meme. It's the mid-curve meme, right? It's a very powerful meme. And there's always something going on in the markets. There's always some crazy, whether it's good or bad or whatever it might be. But generally, if you want to make money in the markets, you do have to take risks. And everything's a risk. Even holding cash is a risk for a variety of different reasons. But a lot of people, they want to wait for the perfect time. A lot of people want to wait for everybody to say, well, it's a safe time to invest now. Now's the time. See, the media is talking about it. Your uncle's talking about it. And that's, of course, usually the most dangerous time to invest. If you want to make money in markets, you got to take the risks. You got to take the risks. There's really uh, no ifs, ands, or buts about it, right? On the far end of the spectrum is the, the risk takers who take risk um, because they're just crazies. They're gender gamblers. They're apes, whatever you want to call it, right? And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have the gigabrains, right? The chads who are just saying, I should take more risks because I understand the risks and I know that. And the mid-curve, that's where you get stuck with stuck on the sidelines in cash going, oh, I should wait for a perfect time. Now's not the best time, whatever. I, I could have bought then, so I'm going to wait for a better price. Price will go back to all these things, right? Instead of just accumulating. I've been trying to keep it simple with my approach to Bitcoin for the last Couple years, to be honest, but certainly during the bear market, just steadily accumulating every week. And it's been paying off pretty good so far, at least. Also, you need to keep it in mind with the markets that it's not easy. A lot of people think it's easy. And in a, and in a bull market, when it, every coin's going up 100% a week, well, we feel like it's easy, right? But it's not easy. Markets are hard, right? The expectation things are just going to go up forever and it'll be great. The reality is that you're going to have a much harder road of lonely stacking and going against the herd if you really want to make money, taking risks and all these kind of things. So something to keep in mind. Uh, Crypto Lifer, thank you very much for the uh, super chat there. Love you too, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Of course, we'll be doing some uh, questions for you guys at the end of the stream. So hold those questions. I'll be answering them for you in a little bit. But now it is time to jump in and talk a little bit about our old buddy, Ethereum. So this one is very interesting. This is the $50,000 Ethereum price prediction from Van Eck, a major uh, financial institution. So let's have a look here at what Van Eck has to say. The bullish scenario for Ethereum. Van Eck's valuation model is based on several key building blocks. So this is not the sort of pie-in-the-sky price target that's so commonly promoted by super bullish crypto enthusiasts. Uh, guilty, guilty, guilty. That's probably me. Anyway, <clears throat> the first building block is Ethereum's revenue model, which relies primarily on transaction fees. The second building block is Ethereum's coin supply, which is actually decreasing over time. We've talked about this, of course, many times here on the channel. These, these bullish factors that are all coming together for ethereum basically you know bull mega juice if you will increasing demand all the eth going into the staking supply the burn and all these different things increased layer two activity etc cetera, etc cetera. uh so they go on uh, the 
third building block is what Van Eck calls the broad market capture strategy of Ethereum. Basically, this means that Ethereum is involved in just about everything blockchain related these days. It's true. They have the first mover advantage. They have a big moat around them as well. So I can understand where such a prediction comes from. This is by 2030, by the way. So 50K by 2030. So they go into a, a few different things here, talking about layer twos, talking about, again, those factors we just talked about. Although the Motley Fool guys, they have a thought on whether this is realistic or not. Given all the above, Van Eck appears to be too aggressive in its growth assumptions for Ethereum. For example, Van Eck currently projects revenue for the category of metaverse, social, and gaming to balloon by 50x in its bull case scenario. Counting on massive growth in this category seems flawed, given that the metaverse investment thesis has completely imploded over the past 18 months. Oh, wait until the metaverse comes back. It will at some point. Probably. We hope. We hope for our metaverse coins that the metaverse narrative comes back. It will. It will. It's just a matter of time. You know, the metaverse is one of those investment theses that was ahead of its time, right? We all got very excited about our metaverse coins, our metaverse stocks, whatever it might be. And then we had the hard realization that, well, it's going to be a while before any of this stuff actually materializes in a meaningful way. And then, of course, the bear market came, which makes you question all of your assumptions. And not taking into account all the potential for layer one rivals to chip away at the dominance seems short-sighted to me. It's interesting that Ethereum has managed to maintain such a strong stranglehold on total value locked in the market, on developers, right? Ethereum developer interest has remained very, very steady over time. And just so much money and mind power stays inside of Ethereum. Uh, and they point out here, plus it's important to keep in mind regulatory risk. Well, if there's going to be regulatory risk for Ethereum, then there's regulatory risk for every single layer one. In fact, a lot of other layer ones have already been named as a regulatory risk by the SEC, whether that be Polygon or Cardano, um, Solana, and others have actually been specifically called out in some of the SEC's lawsuits with them arguing that these are actually securities, although they have not said that about Ethereum. In fact, they've said the opposite about Ethereum in the past. And when asked recently about it, the SEC chair, Gary Gensler, didn't want to say about that. That was such a crazy scene with him just being asked directly, is Ethereum a security? And he's like, uh, okay, Gary. Okay, Gary. Simply put, a $50,000 price forecast just seems too aggressive. Remember, the all-time high for Ethereum is under $5,000. And Ethereum has already shown real weakness this year when it comes to pushing past $2,000 mark. I think that this analyst over at The Motley Fool is um, perhaps being a bit short-sighted. I know we're still in a bit of a bearish market scenario. And whether 50 k is the number or not, I mean, trying to make a price prediction seven years into the future, six and a half years, okay, that's a long time away. That's a long, long time away, right? And if we go by four-year cycles, so we have our next all-time highs in 2025, followed by 2029. So yeah, by 2030, we'll see how it goes, right? But we could see such crazy price forecasts, particularly when it comes down to the burning model for Ethereum, right? Because when you start realizing that we're seeing Ethereum going down, in supply by one or two percent a year and it might speed up dramatically during the next uh, bull market cycle plus of course massive ethereum staking we do have the right cocktail of economic factors for ethereum to potentially bring in some big price movements and that that 50k price if we were to hit it that would be like five minutes on one exchange 
you know, it's not like pricing up to 50K and just stay there, right? That would be the absolute blow off top in my mind. But we'll see how it plays out. But let's revisit this in six and a half years, I guess, and see who was right. Uh, I asked you guys over on Twitter as well. Van X thinks Ethereum can hit 50K by 2030. Do you agree? 34.7% of people said yes, indeedy do, Lark. 32.5% said no way. 15.8% uh, praying that it does. And 16.9% say, I don't care. I am stacking stats. Who cares about Ethereum? So we shall see how that plays out. Crowd seems a bit divided between the yeses and the noes. And you know what? If Ethereum hits 50K or it tops out at 25K in six and a half years, come on, man, that's still a 10X from the current prices. I can do a 10X in the next six and a half years and be pretty happy about it. So I'll just leave that at that. Staked Ethereum now accounts for 20% of the total supply. The amount of Ethereum pledged to secure the network has grown significantly since withdrawals were enabled in April. It's pretty impressive. And actually, if we talk about the amount of Ethereum in the queue to get in, not staked yet, but in the queue to get in, it's more like 22% currently. So it has been slowing down a little bit recently, but we're still seeing Ethereum pile into the staking contract. And we're seeing almost no Ethereum leaving the contract, which is pretty impressive when you think about it. And it's very interesting for me to think too about the reality of, of this, right? Of what that means for the next cycle, and particularly when it comes to uh, Ethereum liquid staking, Ethereum in particular. Uh, the guys over the Defiant News, Ethereum reached the milestone over 20% of validators, 20% uh, all circling ETH, now staked by 745,000 validators. Uh, one concern about centralization persists is Lido Finance counts more than 30% of the total of staked Ethereum. Now, Lido Finance is not just one organization. There are many staking providers, all contributing to one protocol. So there's that to keep in mind. But I do wonder if we see next cycle, okay, look, next cycle, it's going to be, you know, Ethereum gets up to 12, 13, $14,000, let's say as a number, right? And when that peak comes in, we're going to start seeing a lot of people rushing for the exits, except that with the current amount of staked Ethereum, it was like a two-year exit queue to get all that Ethereum out. And some people are going to be staking for multiple cycles. They're not going to withdraw their money, but some people will. Some people will withdraw their money. And let's say that 5% of that Ethereum starts rushing for the exits or people try to swap out their Lido staked Ethereum, their Rocket Pool staked Ethereum, whatever. And they're so keen to get out that it actually pushes these off peg again. And we could see a lot of liquidations and stuff start to cascade in that situation. So I could see that kind of scenario playing out either at the peak or shortly thereafter the peak as people start to try and get their money moving out of staked Ethereum and into cash. So we'll see how that plays out. By the way, if you're not signed up for the Wealth Mastery newsletter yet, you gotta get signed up. It is the best free newsletter in the cryptocurrency space. Every single issue, the latest news happening in crypto. We talk about altcoins. We've got DeFi news, NFT news, airdrops, and much, much more. So you got to check it out. There's a link where you can get sign up for free and join our 80,000 weekly readers. So go ahead and check it out. Now, another thing I want to talk about when it comes to 
Ethereum is the layer two scene. You see, Vanek points this out as well, and they're very right to point out the layer two scene because layer two scene is super, super big for Ethereum. We've seen Arbitrum go absolutely crazy, right? We've seen Optimism drag in a lot of money, a lot of users. We're seeing like Arbitrum and Optimism together doing more daily transactions than Ethereum. Sometimes Arbitrum itself is doing more daily transactions than Ethereum. So there's definitely a lot of layer two interest because you can use all the same great protocols, use your ethos, gas fees, all that kind of stuff. And we're seeing a major layer two war about to go on for lack of a better term, perhaps. But we already have Optimism and Arbitrum and Metis and uh, others, right? Loopring and so on and so forth. We have a bunch of really well-funded, really big layer two protocols coming out, right? We have ZK Sync and um, we have Mantle, which is coming up very, very soon. So they're supported by Bybit and Bybit's planning to invest a minimum, a maximum of uh, 200,000 Ethereum into it, which is a massive, a massive amount of money. So we're going to see huge amounts of cash flowing into the Mantle network. It could be the place to be, to be honest when it comes down to the layer two scene in the coming months. So definitely watch out for the Mantle launch and those early movers in the Mantle ecosystem and those uh, early DEXs and those early money protocols because those could be um, a big amount of gains potential, right? So definitely watch out for this to launch because look, Bybit's got a lot of money, right? Bybit's very well funded. Their DAO is very well funded and they're moving the whole thing over into the Mantle Layer 2 network to try and absolutely just push that ecosystem to the max. So I would not fade that personally. We also see MetaMask Developer Consensus bringing in Layer 2 blockchain Linea to the Ethereum mainnet. Uh, that's going to start from next week. So another very well funded. I think these guys raised like $700 million, something like that. Absolute crazy amounts of money that they raised for this Layer 2 network. Once again, you know, we're going to see all these early mover protocols in this uh, ecosystem potentially having the ability to bring in some pretty gains for early investors. So it's an area to watch out for, right? It's an area to watch out for. Also, something to keep an eye out for is, of course, real world assets. And this is one of the things Vanek talks about here is the future potential of Ethereum to not only broaden its current scope of use cases, but also to bring in new use cases, things like security as a service or the tokenization of real world assets on chain. DeFi Dad says, imagine working to undermine an industry that has developed better tech to buy U.S. Treasury bills. When does Gary Gold, uh, Goldman Gary get fired? Of course, the SEC chief he's referring to there. Crypto investors now effectively lend $614 million to the U.S. government via tokenized Treasury products. Pretty crazy, right? Seeing a massive amount of uh, bonds and things like this starting to come on chain. We're seeing banks in Europe starting to bring out bonds and things on chain. And as BlackRock CEO Larry Fink has talked about, he sees the tokenization of assets and securities as the way forward. Now, he says that's what Bitcoin is all about. It could revolutionize finance once again. And maybe we do see like BlackRock bring out a layer two for Bitcoin where you can trade stocks. That would be like 
crazy stuff, right? However, what we're seeing in reality, a lot of the early pilots for this kind of stuff, it's all happening on Ethereum. Almost all of it's happening on Ethereum, we should say. Uh, Larry goes on to say, I really think the underlying technology is brilliant. Blockchain will help you to speed up the transaction processes. Blockchain will help you to identify. Uh, let's be clear. If you have pure blockchain and you know who the buyers and the sellers are, we don't need a custodian anymore. The whole process of finance and some intermediaries are broken. This is the world's largest asset manager saying that the future of tokenization, the future of equity markets, right? Bonds, uh, stocks real estate, all this kind of stuff. It's on the blockchain, baby. It's on the blockchain. My question is, when BlackRock Ethereum ETF? Because it's coming. Now let's go ahead and swap into our next topic here. And that is, of course, about the inflation and the interest rates and all that fun kind of stuff. I also want to take a minute to talk about uh, Coinbase and some Bitcoin mining stocks as well. So U.S. inflation. We're going to find out tomorrow what the numbers are, but it's going to be a big story. And what we've seen with U.S. inflation is, well, it's been dropping pretty damn fast. The prediction is that it's going to drop fast once again. So we can see here, this is FX Street, U.S. CPI, banks preview inflation to step meaningfully lower in June. So the headline CPA, uh, CPI decelerated 4% year on year in May. It is now expected to continue slowing down all the way down to 3.1% year-on-year in June, a 0.9% drop, a 90 basis point drop. That's crazy. Almost back to 2%. 2%, of course, is the target. The Fed has come out a few times and said, eh, you know, if we get it down 3%, that's kind of like good enough. So we'll see. Uh, core CPI remaining stubbornly high, though raising at 5.3% year on year expectation stands at 5%. So it's pretty interesting to see that we are likely to see another massive, massive drop in the CPI. Now, if that happens, well, what's it mean for markets? Well, this is what JP Morgan thinks could happen to the market after the CPI. So this is their projections. So if the CPI comes in above 3.7%, then look at the S&P 500 go down 2 to 2.5%. That means our, our uh, crypto coins are going to you know take a big slap in the face. CPI between 33 and 3.6%, that's slightly above forecast, then uh, move down the markets of 1 to 1.25%. If we see 3 to 3.2%, basically right on par with the prediction of 3.1%. So even a tiny deviation to the upside, then we see actually markets going up between half a percent to 0.75%. CPI at 2.8% to 2.9%, so actually blasting through expectations, and we could see a significant market rally forming up. And should we see 2.7% or lower, well, bada bing, bada boom, Bob's your, Bob's your uncle Fanny's your aunt, and the market's going to pump, pump, pump. At least that's according to JP Morgan. So we'll see how that plays out. JP Morgan, you can't trust them as far as you can throw them. They're pretty damn big, so you can't throw them very far. But uh, yeah, we'll see. I, I generally agree with this analysis, though. You know, if if we come in better than predicted, markets should take it pretty favorably. Worse than predicted, markets will not like it because it will likely mean that when the Fed meets on July 25th here, bada bing, bada boom, that we could see the interest rate hikes. You see, if we get like 2.9%, for example, then the market starts to go, well, well, 
maybe the Fed's not going to raise interest rates again because raising interest rates at this point would only cause pain, unnecessary pain in the labor markets uh, for lenders and, and borrowers and all this stuff when inflation is just dropping like a rock under 3%. So that would why is why markets would get bullish in this scenario. And the inverse is true is that if inflation doesn't come down as much as predicted, then it almost means certainly that we are going to see a another rate hike and the feds proje um, basically projected out to us that we could see two more rate hikes coming. So if that's the case, markets are not going to live that by any means. It puts a lot of stress on these overly bullish markets that we've seen here uh, over the last six, seven months. It's been crazy. We've had very, very bullish markets. And yet the Fed has raised right through that entire process. So it's pretty crazy. Uh, oh, by the way, as uh, Satoshi Flipper points out here, the two-year U.S. Treasury is getting rejected at 5% resistance is super bullish for stocks and Bitcoin. That's because everyone is expecting the inflation to go down and stocks to go up. So we'll see how that plays out, of course. Bar chart here saying, well, we're actually in a time of pretty big greed in the stock markets. Market momentum, extreme greed, stock price strength, extreme greed, stock price breadth, extreme greed, put and call options at extreme greed, market volatility is neutral, safe haven demand at greed and junk bond demand at greed. So we are seeing a very greedy time in the market. And you know that when we start seeing greed in the market, it's a time to take a pause and go, hmm, is this a moment for caution? I mean, look, we can stay in greed for a long time. Make no mistake about it, but we also may not, right? Usually when we start getting extreme greed readings is when to start thinking, well, maybe some of this stuff is going a bit crazy. And we've seen some huge pumps in the stock markets in particular recently. Uh, crypto has been lagging behind quite a bit. We haven't even had a great year for Bitcoin overall. See a nice price rally, obviously. Other major coins as well. But the stock market has really been doing some pretty awesome stuff this year. Again, it's such a reminder of 2019 where we had the stock market. The S&P 500 hit like five new all-time highs or four new all-time highs uh, within 2019 alone, whereas Bitcoin only rallied up to 14K, which was 30% lower than the previous all-time high, which is where I get my 48K prediction from for Bitcoin potentially this year. Three Federal Reserve officials say that higher interest rates are needed to reach the Fed's 2% inflation target. Yeah, like I said, they want to keep raising the rates in spite of the fact that they probably really don't need to raise rates anymore. The Fed is pretty bad at reacting to these situations. So they start too late. They go too long. They react too slowly. But that 2% inflation target, I mean, if we get back down to 3%, man, I'm telling you, it puts a lot of pressure on the Fed because making big rate hikes at that point seems a lot less sensible, to be honest. Now let's talk about some Bitcoin stocks and some Coinbase stock news. So Vanguard, $7.2 trillion asset management firm, has recently increased its investment in Bitcoin mining stocks, bringing its stake to more than $560 million worth of shares. So that is a pretty damn big move. We're seeing these big asset managers getting into the Bitcoin game, right? Uh, oh, is that, oh, is my story. Okay, anyway, I forgot exactly which of the stocks they've bought, but they've been buying big time into 
Bitcoin mining stocks. It's been pretty damn impressive. It's been pretty damn impressive to see them putting so much money into these Bitcoin miners. Bitcoin mining stocks have actually been pumping off pretty good recently as well. So big money is noticing, and it's a way to get exposure to Bitcoin via the stock market before Bitcoin ETFs actually come into play. So last cycle, we saw Bitcoin mining stocks absolutely rage, usually pumping a lot harder than Bitcoin itself in many situations. So Bitcoin mining stocks actually end up being even better investments than Bitcoin. MicroStrategy as well. So a lot of people are watching MicroStrategy because they have such an ungodly amount of Bitcoin in their stack. Coinbase shares up 50% since the SEC lawsuit. Pretty crazy, right? Coinbase gets sued with ASCC and the stock pumps, but it's pumping for a particular reason because all five of the CBOE's spot Bitcoin ETF applications have reached surveillance share agreements with Coinbase. Interesting. Interesting, right? So Coinbase is about to find itself at the nexus of all Bitcoin ETF activity in the USA. That bodes well for the Coinbase stock. My Coinbase stock purchases, feeling pretty good. And I've been stacking up a lot this year. I actually went to buy some today and I realized, man, the stock's up to 90 bucks. Maybe I'm not going to buy any today. Maybe I'll see if that cools down and I can pick up some more at like, you know, 60 or 70 or something like that. Because I wouldn't mind to have some more Coinbase stocks. But at the current price, yeah, yeah, I've probably got enough. But if it goes cheaper again, if we see a bit of a cool down in the hype, then... Uh, maybe I'll pick up some more Coinbase stocks. But once again, we're seeing stocks related to crypto having some pretty strong performance. I mean, Coinbase, I think it's a great stock. And initially, when Coinbase released their stock, I bought some. But uh, um, just before I bought some, I was thinking, ah, do I really need to buy crypto stocks? Ah, I don't know. Because it does, in a large way, move right along with the market. But I mean, Coinbase is a solid company, even though they are getting sued by the SEC. So we'll see how that plays out. But look, they're partnered up with all these major financial institutions. Phone calls are going to be made. Heads are going to roll over at the SEC at some point. Like BlackRock is not going to be told no forever. Let's just, let's keep it real, right? Also, we saw the Coinbase co-founder bought more than $125 million of the Coinbase shares over the past year with a lot of big purchases actually happening back in May, which is pretty gosh darn interesting, isn't it? Seems like somebody had an idea that something was going on. <laughs> fascinating, fascinating stuff, huh? Okay, well, that is some pretty good news for today. Lots of big Bitcoin news, lots of big Ethereum news, and of course, lots of big news about inflation, all that all kind of stuff. So now let's open up the floor to some questions. If you have some questions you'd like me to answer, I'd be happy to answer a few questions here for you. So please do hop in and feel free to ask a few questions. I'll stick around for the 10 minutes or so. If you'd like me to answer any questions for you, please do let me know and I'll I'll try to answer as best I can. If you ask about some specific altcoin, I may or may not have any information about it for you, but um, hey, We'll see. I might have might have an opinion. So drop it in. Let me know what your questions are, and I can answer a few questions here for you. 2020 Enlightenment Lark. Love your videos. Wish you can do a 1K, 5K, 10K, 20K. If you invest now, what will be in a bull run? That's an interesting video idea, to be honest, or in some interesting conversation. Maybe we'll do that one of these days soon, talking about you know, how to get ready to make money in the bull run, essentially. So I'll keep that idea in mind. 
Lark, what are your thoughts on Solana? Well, I mean, I very well timed my, uh, is this the end of Solana video? It's basically the bottom of the price of Solana. However, however, I think Solana has maintained a strong interest from some pretty big players, some pretty big VCs. Um, developers are still there. Projects are still there. It's taken some big hits. But if Solana can keep moving forward, the tech, you know, it's a very fast blockchain. It's very cheap to use blockchain. They've got a very clear value proposition for gaming and all this kind of stuff. So I think Solana can definitely still prove a lot of the haters wrong, even though they've definitely taken some big hits. The sentiment around Solana in a lot of ways feels like the sentiment around Ethereum in like 2019. You know, crap blockchain, never got to do anything. It was just a one hit wonder, only useful for this, that or the other thing. So we'll see. We'll see. I wouldn't count Solana out by any means. Um, but but um, Benjamin, what is your BTC price prediction for this bull cycle? Well, as we talked about a bit in this um, in this stream already, I think in personal prediction, we'll see. No one can predict the future. Obviously not financial advice, but I think we could see a forty-eight thousand dollar Bitcoin in twenty twenty-three. And I think that we can see a Bitcoin blow off top somewhere between 150 to 180K between late 2024 and sometime mid 2025. But we have to be responsive. Instead of being wedded to a number, we have to be responsive to what the charts are actually telling us, what the indicators start showing, what the uh, greed sentiment starts looking like when you start getting the phone calls from the old friends saying that they're going to buy, you know, the newest meme coin, you know, butt coin or whatever is going to be the big thing at the time. So we'll keep an eye on that kind of stuff. BTC Lark, sensible that BlackRock will intentionally get a denial to drop BTC so they can load up. Hey, nothing would surprise me. Nothing would surprise me. Would that surprise you to see one of the biggest financial manipulators in the world manipulating markets once again? Nope. <laughs> nope. It would not surprise me by any means. But hey, we'll see. I think they probably already loaded their bags. Remember, they launched a Bitcoin private fund about a year ago right? About a year ago. So they've already been stacking is my guess right throughout the bear market. Mika or Micah Smith. Uh, I always wondered for years now where you picked up the art that you have on your wall. I love this art. This art's great. This one's who we are. So where is that? We are Stoshi. There you go. I love it. I love it. Uh, this is from Josie Bellini. So Josie.io. Josie.io. Uh, she is like one of the OG crypto artists. Like she was doing NFTs way before anybody ever thought NFTs were cool. And she's been making some pretty damn awesome art for a long time. So if you want to pick up a print from her and support a, an OG crypto user and an OG crypto artist, then go and check out uh, her website. Uh, pretty sure it's still Josie.io. So go check it out. But Josie Bellini is her name. So yeah, go and check her stuff out. Hola, Senior Lark. Gracias for the good educational content you're very welcome you're very welcome greg not a thank you but uh, not a question but thank you for sharing knowledge i've learned so much over the last year and a half thank you greg thank you it's a hell of a learning curve to be honest you know getting into crypto you know so yeah absolute crazy stuff uh lark when did you become a crypto millionaire and how was that day did anything change in your life uh that was gosh when was when was that i'm trying to think of the actual day that it happened. It was sometime in 2020. You know, before that, it had a decent amount of crypto, but you see all the valuations explode. And it's like, well, wow. You wake up, look at your portfolio one day and go, hmm, that's interesting. That's interesting. And no, nothing particularly changed in my life. I mean, we, you know, we kept living relatively modest lives. And now that 
you've got a bit more money, it's nice to have a few more luxuries, uh, you know, be able to fly a bit nicer, for example, kind of stuff like that. Uh, eat more organic food, stuff like this, but uh, hasn't been any dramatic changes in life. A lot of it, that money stays uh, invested in the markets in one way or another, whether it's in crypto or stocks or uh, metals. So, yeah. Lark, what is your take on Polkadot? I talked a little bit about Polkadot in the last stream. And, I, you know, I think one thing that I want to mention about Polkadot here is that they've released a bunch of new uh, documentation. and I haven't had a chance to go through it yet. But basically envisaging the future of Polkadot and um, changing things around the parachain auction model and stuff like this. So we'll see. We'll see. As Polkadot has been, I think that there is going to be a, you know, a big dump of Polkadot as soon as we start seeing the big parachains um, releasing their coins, the ones that did the two-year lockups, right? Um, so we'll see. We shall see. Uh, Polkadot, I think the technology still remains very solid. I think there's still a lot of developers very interested in building on Polkadot. Polkadot's kind of like the Cosmos vibe, right? It doesn't get the kind of love and attention that it needs, but definitely... People pay attention. We see chains building on top of it, things like Moonbeam, which could be a big one for the next cycle. Got a bag, obviously. So, yeah, don't count Polkadot out by any means. But I think that the DOT token model around parachain bonding, it's not the best model necessarily moving forward. And I think that we saw demand fall for parachain auctions real fast. So we'll see how that goes. Free mind thoughts on injective. I like injective. Still, still holding injective. I was an injective um, uh, private sale investor, and I've taken profits on mul injective multiple times throughout the previous market cycle. But I still actually hold a pretty decent sized bag of injective from that initial bit. And actually, I bought some more injective recently. I think they've been doing basically all the right stuff. Bear market builder stuff, right? They've been putting the work in. They've got a whole bunch of dApps that are going to be coming soon. Um, so, yeah, I think when Injective's been doing some pretty good, they've been really keeping the pressure on throughout the bear market and have positioned themselves well, I hope, anyway, for the coming bull market. Brycast0613, when are CBDCs going to be forced upon us? Soon. Soon, CBC is coming to a, a life near you in the very near future. We're seeing a lot of countries getting ready to roll these out. Some countries have already rolled these out. So it's coming, it's happening. CBDCs are, even if the early iterations of CBDCs don't have all the, the bad stuff built in, you know we're only one crisis away, one pandemic away, one alien invasion away from them flipping all the switches to not let you... Use your CBDCs if you sell something bad on Twitter they don't like. You're spreading misinformation. You know it's going to come. So good to hold Bitcoin in that situation, right? Good to hold Bitcoin. All right. Thank you so much to everyone for joining the stream today. I really appreciate your time showing up and having a conversation with me about crypto. So thank you very much, and we will see you next time. <laughs>